It's early into spring training, but it appears the Pirates have made some decisions on where some players are going to be playing in 2023. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Pirates. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome back to that Locked On Pirates podcast. And as you know, it's Monday, March 6th. It's Gary Morgan Monday. And Gary, how are you, sir? We have now had a full week of spring training games to this point where things are starting to uh, get interesting already. Pretty good, man. And more than a full week. We had a you know a day in there where we had two games, and that was kind of cool. Um not a lot of uh, viewing available for people, though. You got to jump all over the place to try to find some of these games. Oh yeah, but it's been pretty good so far. Have to open two different browsers on your computer and have them simultaneously play next to each other. It's like, yeah, this, is... or do what I did and put a radio broadcast on the one game and watch the other game. That was real interesting trying to do that because you're hearing things that are clearly not happening while also watching things that are happening, but. Things are happening all over the place with the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. We've seen some uh, interesting stuff through these uh, first like week and so of uh, spring training, including um, <laughs> Drew Maggie probably being the, uh, the MVP of spring training so far. Um, but you mentioned to me the other day when we were in a like text thread about some decisions that it appears the Pirates have already made. And by that, we mean... Where certain guys that we didn't really know where they were going to be playing, it appears that the Pirates are laser-focused on having these guys at specific positions. And the guy that I wanted to start with today was Jiwon Bay. Uh, most interestingly, because he's played a lot of second base, I believe he's only really played second base in the spring training so far, and I think a lot of people, including myself, had him penciled in as a guy that was going to possibly move to center field, especially with... Brian Reynolds moving to left field, which is something we'll talk about later. So where do you think this goes with Jiwon Bay if he stays at second? I mean, does it open up a little, like a little more for the Pirates, or do you think it kind of restricts them a little bit? I mean, I think, first of all, what they're trying to do is make sure a guy can hang at a certain place where they feel they're going to use him the volume of time that they're going to use him, right? Mm -hmm. So... They want to make sure he can hang at second base. In the outfield, I think we all see center field on his list of things he can do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they want to do with him. Mm -hmm. um, his arm isn't great. So, I mean, we see that, that speed and we, we just assume, yeah, yeah, he can play. But then you watch, like, Travis Swaggerty play out there and he's got the speed and the arm and, you know, the athlete. You understand, like, maybe there's a little bit of a drop-off there to go to somebody like G1 Bay. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, it's a lockout that he's never going to play out there or can't play out there. But I do think what they're saying is, if you want to make this team, second base is your path, man. Yeah. Go get it. And they're, and they're having him just focus on it. And, and I like that. I think that 
that's a good way to go about it. Yeah, and it's better in a sense of, okay, you don't want to, like, jump this guy all over the place. He's not a utility player just yet. He could turn into something like that for you. But a big emphasis, I think, that a lot of people, I've seen people already say, well, who's going to be on the bench on the uh, opening day roster? And you see all the names that are possibilities, like Kanan Smith and Jigba, Cal Mitchell, G1. But it, it goes, the list is quite long for possibly four or five bench spots. Um but something that I've already kind of figured out with them in terms of the focus that they have on what they're going to have on this team, especially when it comes to the bench, you're looking at guys like Connor Joe and Jiwon Bay who can either play infield or outfield. Either They can move back and forth. And that's another thing that I think possibly with a guy like Matt Gorski, who everybody enjoys, we've seen him a little bit at first base. I, can, I think we're going to see a lot more of Matt Gorski at first base as as the minor league season gets underway. I think he's going to transition there a lot. And I'll be blunt, he's a really, really good center fielder. So I'm not 100% sure that, that I agree with that move entirely, but I think that probably speaks to how they feel about their prospect depth at first base. Uh. I would say some people would probably consider it non-existent in a sense because I saw Mason Martin play in a game the other day, and I was like, I remember two years ago on the same podcast when I said he was going to be debuting in 2021 and hit like 10 home runs after he comes up in July, and he is still not here. That also uh, shows the growth of your your podcast host over here because clearly Mason Martin was not debuting that year. And Mason Martin still has a lot of problems. He still has the fact that he can't strike, he can't stop striking out, can't walk. I don't, I mean, he'll get there at some point. But then you're looking, I really look at first base, and I mean, I get moving Gorski over there as a prospect depth move, but you don't really have anybody else. I mean, you have Malcolm Nunez and maybe Jared Triolo. Jared Triolo could move over there too, but then you're limiting his defensive ability, in my opinion, by putting him at first base. Yeah. Jared Triolo could play anywhere they want him to, um, including the outfield. So I'm not I'm not concerned about that. And we always talk about the bats tell the story and and all that. But and that that's true to a degree. But when you start getting full, then then you need somebody that can play a certain position. Second base, I don't think they're 100 percent sold on Castro. I think he's going to get the opportunity this year because he earned the opportunity. Like, I think uh, what G1 Bay would have to do to unseat him as the starting second baseman is probably a bridge too far to expect him to do. But I think you're going to see as this spring training continues here, the guys that they start throwing in at shortstop are going to become more important. You need to start seeing what some of these guys can do there. Because that backup position is almost more important than the the second base backup position. I think you've got a few guys who could handle second base. You need to make sure one of them can handle shortstop too. Yeah. So I think we're going to start to see that. Um, you know, Tucapino Marcano is in that mix. Juwan Bay, Rodolfo Castro. I think Jared Triolo needs some at bats in AAA first, but he's certainly in that mix. It, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and another thing about it, too, is O'Neill Cruz obviously can't play all 162 games. 
he probably never will. I mean, a lot of players never do. On top of the fact that something that I do mention about O'Neal Cruz, and thankfully he's avoided it for the most part so far, is just with that kind of frame and the body build that he has at shortstop. To me, all it takes is for him to overextend on a ball over there at that position, being so tall and everything, that he could eventually be somebody that does experience minor injuries over there just because of how big he is. So you also need, like you mentioned, you have to have somebody that can handle a position behind him, not only to be behind him, but in the event that he goes down, if you don't have anybody to handle shortstop, you're in a real pickle at that point. I mean, if he went down for an extended period of time, like say he broke his leg on mm-hmm. in the second week of the season, first, there's no way you're replacing the offensive production. No. So forget about that. But I think you'd have a different scenario. They'd bring up Leo Verpigera. You think so I mean, that quickly? Oh, yeah. He'd be the drop-in almost immediately. Like I think he's the, the closest they have to a shortstop. And yes, I know the error numbers. I know all that stuff, too. You're not going to educate me on it by sending me baseball reference links. I get it. But I've actually watched the kid play. I mean, the things they look for, the range, the ability, the athleticism, the that stuff's there. Decision-making's not. And the accuracy has not been. So... I, th- I think he would be the guy that they would choose if it were a long-term injury, mm-hmm. just to get him up here and get him started. Plus, it's his second year on the 40-man. That's a weird thing to be the second year on the 40-man and really have nobody even suggesting he might make this team. Yeah, and I mean, I remember last year we got the little cup of coffee with him for those three or four games because of... Uh... I forget what it was. Like, they were going to bring up somebody else. It was actually a fun story to talk about. They were going to bring up somebody else, but they were, like, in Florida or something for a road trip, and he would just so happen to be in Indianapolis closer. So they were like, okay, well, we need you now, so we're going to bring you now. And another thing you guys might need now with, um, you know, the funnest month of the year in Savannah, Georgia, is obviously March. Uh, which means Ethan will be partaking in lots of activities and need a lot of protein because that protein will save him from ending up on the news. Uh, so if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories and you got to buy a built bar, uh, the holidays are gone, but you know, everybody's still trying to eat a little healthier all the time. It might've been a new year's resolution. He might've broke that new year's resolution, but you might be trying again. You might be bringing it around, but built bar makes healthy, actually tasty because they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They come one, they, uh, they come in. He didn't say they helped with coughs. Everybody. Yeah, I did not. But that was a weird cough. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. They also have 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can go to Pilt.com and get them with code LOCKEDON15. Or you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club to get a 13-bar box or a 4-bar box of your favorite flavors of Built Bar. For the best protein bars on the planet, coughs not cough syrup not included. Um, that was very interesting. And it was a weird spot, too, because I was talking about being healthy, and then it was just... <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, shifting our focus from what I was uh, talking about earlier with Jiwon Bay and the possibility of him moving to the outfield, you then have the interesting nugget of Brian Reynolds moving 
back to left field, which a lot of people, I think, forget to add the word back to left field. He did not start in center field when he first got on this team, if everybody wants to remember that, because there was a wonderful guy here named Starling Marte that was still playing that position when he first got here. Uh, Obviously, Reynolds has shown his capability to play center field. It's something he's very capable of doing. Uh, the defensive drop-off from 2021 to 2022 was noticeable in certain ways. Uh, not like it became a problem, but you could tell that there was a drop-off from the fact that he was a gold glove finalist the year prior. And I think Jack Sawinski can hold his own at that position, personally. So I actually really don't mind this, Gary. I don't know how you feel about it, but I really don't mind him moving over. I, I mean, statistically speaking, it... It's uh, it'd be derelict of duty to not move him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he he the the Pirates for a very long time have felt that Brian Reynolds is a good center fielder, but a Gold Glove candidate in left field. That's all this is. Mm-hmm. They think he's a a much better fielder in left field. I think they're right. I think his arm plays better there. I think just about everything he does plays better there. Um, there, there's a little portion of the outfield that a lot of people don't think about in center field. and it, It's like basically you need that field general. And and while I do think that, that Brian Reynolds is a good leader, I don't think he's the type on the field who's loud and animated enough to make sure that you know that ball's his. And we had way too many like moving parts in the corner outfields and I think that's going to continue with the roster right now to where they're not going to develop that familiarity and you need somebody loud and outspoken there. That's not Brian, no. you know? So it doesn't mean he's not going to play center field anymore. It just means for now, I think they'd, they'd prefer him to be in left field. Yeah, and I, I mean... If anything, good, I'm a know. little surprised they did it during the contract stuff. Uh, but apparently it has not irritated him at all. So... Well, I mean, it's not like they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be playing first base now. Like, is it like that, that That would be like, okay, we're moving Brian Reynolds to first base. Yeah, okay, about my trade request, that that would be that. No, um, but our buddy Yark would love that. That's what he's been calling for forever. Reynolds right? to be at first base? Yeah, yeah just I, put him over there. I do think that it'll be good for the overall defensive, you know, makeup of the outfield. I think it'll help. And... I was personally a little bit taken aback that they decided to do it right now because of the contract situation. Because even though he did come up here as a left fielder, Brian has been a center fielder his entire baseball career. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the way up and down. That's what he's done. That's what he wants to do. So it's mature on his part to just take it and accept it. And it's smart on the Pirates to, to not let you know, an outside situation get in the way of what's right for baseball. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget either that the Pirates have history with uh, recent history with having a gold glove left fielder. It's something that they know, actually, with uh, Corey Dickerson not too long ago. He won a gold glove out there at that position. Brian Reynolds, I think he could really do it, too. And especially one thing about the uh, communication thing. By the way, if you want to, like, like have Gary's point driven to you 
Go back through the spring training games if you can watch them through the archives and watch that interview he had. I think it was against the Yankees. And just listen to the guy talk. You don't even have to hear the word he's saying. Just listen to his voice and listen to how he talks. That'll prove Gary's point. He's the most... He's super cool from what people I've heard that have met him. They're like, he's a really cool and chill guy, but that's what he is. He's a cool, calm, collected, chill guy. He's not, you need to, like, he's not doing this, like, telling people to go everywhere and all that stuff. But you brought up field general, which I found interesting because last year in left field, they had Ben Gamble out there, and it was fine. Like, it, but he was kind of crazy at certain points he would like always try to do really crazy stuff let's also remember how pnc is built for that kind of left center portion where the dugout is or where the bullpen is and then you have the outfield stuff and you have that little corner the notch yeah, yeah. i feel like reynolds and sawinski flipping spots works out better that way because then if it's closer this way, I know Reynolds can get there. You know Sawinski can get there athletically. I don't really see a bad thing about this at all. The only thing I see is a little bit of a down is I, I think we'll miss Sawinski's arm in right field. Mm-hmm. Um, the running game is going to really be something that is more focused on this year. I think you'll see more people trying to stretch singles into doubles, things like that. And not having a killer arm in right field is going to be a problem. And that you know, Andrew McCutcheon counts into that. He doesn't have the arm he used to. He doesn't have the athleticism he used to. I actually question the wisdom of even pretending he's going to man 60 games out there. I don't see it. He's more of a DH. That's what I think, too. Point. But I, but I also think right now they want to pretend he's a complete baseball player that they brought back and he's been frozen in animation for five years and hasn't lost anything. I think everybody's going to find out he has. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're going to be sad that he's here. It just means like I don't. You're not going to want to see him five, six days a week in right field. I just you're going to learn that lesson pretty early on, and if they're if they're serious, they will too. Yeah, and and part of that, too, with the outfield, that even though I think most people would agree that the outfield looks better than it did last year on paper, you can make that assumption, and most people would probably say, yeah, I mean, you're talking Sawinski, Reynolds, McCutcheon to start the year. Just look at the amount of people they're still going to have to get looks at. I mean, you're talking – I mean, Travis Waggerty has been kind of a talk of spring. Tomorrow I'm doing a a breakout player thing that I was supposed to do on Friday that I pushed back to tomorrow, and a lot of you guys in the comments were saying Travis Swaggerty is going to be the breakout player this year. And I don't know if that just comes from the fact that he said, well, if if anybody, it might as well be me in terms of that, like, stuff that he said. It's the center field throwout job that he had against the Yankees where he just gunned the guy down immediately. I mean, sure, do it. That's fine. But Travis, it doesn't just stop at him. Not even close. I mean, you're still mentioning the guys we've mentioned before. Cal Mitchell, Caden Smith and Jigba, Swaggerty, Connor Joe, Ryan Valade, which I know how Gary feels about Ryan Valade. Um, Matt Gorski, Matt Frazier. I mean, and then even on the back end, I don't think you'd see it this year, but Connor Scott is another guy that you're going to eventually possibly see out there too. It's a lot yeah. to look at there. I mean, even Young, you know, has has looked pretty good. Um, 
even though I think he's probably a little old and Anthony Alford 2.0. But I, I think they, they have a ton of guys to work through. It, the difference is now we're not just waiting for someone that's capable of coming up and playing out. Now you want somebody to win it. And I don't really care who that is. There's going to be room for one lefty. One besides Jack Sawinski. There's going to be one yeah. other lefty that they take. And that could be Travis Swaggerty. You'd have to say Travis Swaggerty, Cal Mitchell, and Kane Smith and Jigbear are the leaders in the clubhouse there. As yeah. far as which one of them is going to make it. Connor Joe, to me, is a lock. Um, I, again, I don't, I don't see McCutcheon playing in the outfield a ton. And he's a right-handed bat who has some experience, and he can handle it. I don't really care about his ability to play first base. They're not going to need that. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think they're, they're, they're probably pretty set in the outfield, to be honest. Yeah, and um, prior years, the Pirates might have needed uh, more outfield uh, help. They don't need it this year, and they won't have to use LinkedIn to find an outfielder. Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. I mean, the Pirates are kind of a small business in the grand scheme of baseball. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. You can use simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why every small business rate uh, locked on jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. I think I just said locked on jobs. It's LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. Terms and conditions apply. So now we've talked about position players and stuff like that. And it's interesting with all the stuff going on there. But arguably the most interesting player that the Pirates fan base is going to look at this year, even though we probably won't see him until July, is Andy Rodriguez. And we know that if you look at MLB Pipeline's top 50 or top 30 prospects, he's number two. Go check that episode out with me and Craig where we broke that entire list down. And if you look by Andy Rodriguez's name, it says catcher, second base, and outfield. The kid can move anywhere and everywhere. But they seem to have a focus on him at catcher. Now, I'll go back to something, Gary, that I'm sure you probably know about uh, from Craig, that Craig has had people tell me, or he had people tell him, that Henry wants to stay a catcher, Henry Davis. He wants to stay there. But if the Pirates have this focus with Andy Rodriguez a catcher, I don't know if there's a world where Henry Davis sticks a catcher. I really don't think that the two can coexist in the same spot just because of their talent levels alone. I mean, I think they can. And <laughs> the reason I say that is uh, Henry Davis is a full year behind Andy. Yes. And we love to pretend that Ben Charrington's going to be aggressive and call these first-rounders up like mid-season. Like, oh, they're not going to do this. 
Henry Davis is going to start in double A. He's going to catch. And when Endy gets promoted, you can expect Henry to get promoted if he's performed. He'll go to AAA. He'll finish most of the season. He might get a cup of coffee this year. Let's say they go into spring next year. Endy is more established. He's ready. He is the starting catcher. Henry Davis is probably still not coming out of spring because what are they going to want to do with him at the, at the beginning of 2024? Super 2. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, we can pretend this stuff doesn't exist if it makes you feel better. You know, we can pretend they're going to be altruistic about it, but we know what they're going to do. So they're going to have a backup catcher. I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody like Hedges signing on for a second year. If that's the case, you get to, like, June, July, then all of a sudden you bring up Davis. Say Davis has checked all the boxes and he is the killer catcher you really wanted. Fine. Andy can move. Andy don't care. (laughs) So, and then if he wants to become, you know, still like a catcher, well, you have Davis catch four days a week and you have Andy catch three days a week and one of them plays first base when the other one's catching and one of them DHs maybe. There's ways to get at bats to all of them and get them involved. A lot of people, like, I would just say look back to, like, the early 90s. And this is a different scale because these weren't superstar players. But Mike Lavalier and Don Slott were two sides of one coin. Lavalier was a little bit better defensively. Sluggo was a little bit better offensively. They had a lefty and a righty. They played those matchups all the time. And they got plenty of at-bats. You didn't know who was the starting catcher. But you knew that either catcher they put in was going to do well. And they didn't even have a DH to help. No. There's plenty of room. Don't worry about where they play right now. Well, and the thing that I mentioned with Craig on Thursday when we talked about that is I said, thank God the DH does exist. Because if it didn't, that whole situation would be very complicated. <laughs> because at that point, it's like, okay, well, now you're basically having to pick between one of them or move them permanently. Like, that that would be, like, really weird. It, it, it's a really weird thing. I think athletically, I like both of them there. I think Andy staying a catcher is perfectly fine. He enjoys it. It seems like it's something he wants to do. But as you mentioned, if he has to move, he'll move. His battle play. We know that. He's, uh, by the way, uh, no shout-out to any of the other locked-on MLB hosts for not ranking Andy Rodriguez in the top ten prospects for the National League after he's won back-to-back minor league MVPs. And their logic was, well, Super 2 exists, so he won't pl- he won't perform up to top 10 prospect standards this year. Said, okay, guys, but you ranked, you, you, you're ranking guys like Brett Beatty over him. Okay, well, that's a conversation for another day. Um, another name that a lot of people know and is very intriguing to me and has been in my comment section countless times for me hoping and praying that he would be a starter, but my hopes and prayers may have not worked out for that. Uh, Cody Bolton appears to be a bullpen guy. Yeah. I will say it right now with me expecting him to be a starter for the longest time. Absolutely love it. He moves in the bullpen. I love it. I think it's his best path to the majors at this point. He just had too many injuries, um, too many setbacks, too many things that got in the way of him 
actually getting here and being productive. And I think just looking at the mix that's with him right now, how many names do you go through before you get to him as like a starter you're ex- you're excited for? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he's he's got a long group to try to fight through in order to make this team. In the bullpen he doesn't and his pitch mix plays really really well. And while he's been a starter, he hasn't been giving innings because he's been injured. So he's kind of used to this workload already, and I think it's easier than trying to ramp him up again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 26, I think, now? 25 yeah, or 26? So. It's time, you know? It, we need relievers, too. And he's a good one, I think. Yeah, and I agree. Um, he is 25, uh, to confirm that. But going back on something you said, uh, I've had people outside of the Pirates fan base, I've had people in the Pirates fan base tell me, that they are excited to see Quinn Priester this year. I'm going to tell you one thing since we're coming to the end of this podcast today. Tell me how he gets here. You want me to tell you? I don't see it. <laughs> and and, and I'm, tell, I'm saying that to everybody, too. Even And they'll, they'll say, well, what happens when Hill and Velasquez get traded? Okay. He still has to jump Johan Oviedo, who they're clearly in in love with right now with that new pitch that they want to give him and the sinker still has to jump Luis Ortiz. He still has to jump. Um, what's his name? Burrows. Uh, Burrows. And then that's not even including JT Brubaker would still exist. So then he has to jump JT Brubaker to get in the rotation and the pirates aren't going to run a six man rotation. They're just not going to, it's not potentially potentially Max Kranich too. Yeah, Max Kranich is another guy. I mean, and they may so they guys. may at some point run a six man rotation this year. Yeah. They haven't rolled that out, but I again I haven't seen it happen. They do it in the minors. Yeah, they so in do theory it. that makes you feel like that's eventually what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I just think once you get to the majors, it tends to be harder to implement. Not only because of the schedule, you're not playing six days a week; you're playing seven a lot of the time. So. It makes less sense in the majors. And it also, I think, hurts you as a player as far as your tradeability or even your signability goes. If you're used to being a part of a six-man rotation, you know, and you spend three, four years doing that, all of a sudden you go to some place where they run a five-man rotation, eh, I think there'd be some questions there for some people as far as can you handle the durability, can you handle the workload. I'm not sure they want to open that door. And uh, I don't want to. I don't think that this is where the Pirates want to stand out. So I, I ultimately think they won't do that. Point is, though, Quinn Priester, no, not this year. Maybe cup of coffee. Um, I could see him jumping some of those guys we named, like if things go awry. Yeah. But things would have to go pretty damn bad in order yeah. to get down to him. I mean, we're talking Keller and Contreras probably being on the IL. I mean, you're talking about a lot of different stuff going on there. Which, hey, that stuff happens. So it's not like we should just dismiss it offhand. But I don't think that I would go into this season planning on seeing Quinn Priester in my rotation anytime soon. No. But Pirates have a lot of decisions to make this year. Uh, This is kind of like, I don't want to call it a make-or-break year, but there's a lot of make-or-break decisions that this team is going to have and if we want to believe that 
they've been saving money to use in the offseason after this year's over, some of these guys are going to have to perform well. I think Gary actually wrote a, a good article over at uh, Bucks Basement about opportunities being earned, not given this year. I believe that was you that wrote it. I don't. I, I saw that you posted it. Yeah, it was me. Um, but it was a very good article to read because, as you mentioned earlier, it's not like the same old stuff we've seen the last couple of years where guys were just put in there for no reason. Like, or, well, for they had a reason, but guys were just put in there because they didn't have anybody else. If you don't perform well this year, like you mentioned Rodolfo Castro, if he doesn't perform well this year, g Bay is sitting right there. He's ready yeah. to go. And that's the, that's the story of this Pirates team this year. What the team you see, the team you see on opening day later this month against the Cincinnati Reds is not even going to be close to the same team you see three or four months down the line based on how guys play. That's what I think I can leave you guys with. I think that's fair to say. And I also think that, um, you know, we worry about things like age and whatnot for players like Rich Hill, you know, 42 years old, Carlos Santana, 37, Kutch, 36, you know. They're older guys. You don't expect them to be as durable. I expect them to have some maintenance time that opens doors for for prospects to come up and get opportunities, you know. I would never wish injury on anyone, but Rich Hill's a guy that goes on the IL once or twice a year with blisters. I mean, that sort of thing gets Luis Ortiz his shot. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing gets Johan Oviedo his shot. You know, um, Velasquez starting in the rotation, he could struggle and go to the bullpen. And and then they, they know from that Hill injury, hey, Ortiz is ready. He showed it. He goes right into that rotation boom, you've checked the box and you've made a, a switch. Those those sorts of things are going to happen all year long. I encourage you to start rooting for the logo now and stop rooting for players because <laughs> it's really difficult to, to do at this stage. You're, you're going to inevitably fight with yourself. Yeah, especially players that are behind a lot of guys. But thank you guys for tuning in every single Monday here on the Locked On Pirates podcast. I believe we are eh, four weeks. We'll just say four weeks because it's Monday. We are four weeks away from opening day. Obviously, spring training is still in full swing. There's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about here at Locked On Pirates. Uh, Gary, what do you have going on this week? Uh, As always, Five Thoughts comes out on Mondays. So, uh... I'll, I'll be busy all day tomorrow. Uh, every Wednesday, I'm doing a Q&A. Send me in your questions. I answer them every Wednesday in, in the Q&A. Um, more interesting, the better. Have fun writing about them. Fan Forum comes out every Saturday. I'm on here every Monday. HTP comes out every Saturday or Sunday. So, busy, busy. Oh, yeah. Go Panthers, baby. It is March Madness. Make sure you go check out uh, Nick Farbaugh over at Locked on Pit. He does a phenomenal job over there. Uh, So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Have a wonderful rest of your Monday, and I will see you guys tomorrow.